continue with the Rambam. So we're on page 38 of the Rambam's Hagdamal Mishneh Torah in of Kapach Sambam. So you say Lamed Chet on the top of the page. If you're using Sefaria, you're in the introduction. The paragraph should start with a Chet, a number eight, at least in my numbering. We mentioned Antignos Ish Socho in his Bedin, Shimon HaTzadik in his Bedin, other way around. The next generation of Chachamim, Yosef ben Yo'ezer ish Tzereda, Yosef ben Yochanan ish Yerushalayim, Yosef, the son of Yo'ezer, a man of Tzereda, that's a place. Yosef ben Yochanan, Yosef, the son of Yochanan, ish Yerushalayim, he's a man of Jerusalem, Uvedinam, and their Batedin, they received the oral tradition from Antignos and his Bethadim. I wish to focus tonight and tomorrow on these two personalities who are Yosef ben Yoezer of Tzereda and Yosef ben Yochanan, the man of Yerushalayim. And it's important for me to mention that just like we have an abundant amount of information about Yosef ben Yoezer, we almost have the exact opposite, almost no information about Yosef ben Yochanan. And therefore, most likely tomorrow night, instead of trying to analyze his life, I wish to analyze the difference in the teachings of these two sages. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's discuss both of these chachamim. Now, Yosef ben Yoezer can sometimes be found throughout rabbinic literature as Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer. Yosef. Don't, please don't make a mistake of saying Yossi. Yossi is, a, I don't know, it's a mispronunciation of a word. And Yosef is the name. The nickname of that is just taking away the fe, Sofit. Yosef. Rabbi Yosef. I saw in the writings of Rabbi Yosef Masas, in the Chalat Avot, the first volume, Rabbi Yosef Masas writes, it's a theory of his, I'm not telling you this is the reason, that some Chachamim, even though they were named Yosef, they choose to go by the name Yosef, because Yosef in Gematria is Elohim, is the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and they wish to show how much they strive in their life to be like the creator of the universe. And because of that, they were, they were nicknamed themselves Yosef. I don't know. And most likely, the reason why people get nicknames is because the world gives them nicknames, as we're going to see in the case of Yosef ben Yoezer himself. Before I tell you much about Yosef ben Yoezer, Let's open up the PDF that I sent out, the encyclopedia, to page 539. So the top of your PDF should say 539. Page 539, Yosef ben Yoezer, already here, he writes Yosef. Yosef ben Yoezer, ish tzeredam. He was one of the great Chachamim of the generation of the Zugot. So in Jewish history, we have periods, if I might say. So the men of the great assembly 
lived throughout that period of time of Cyrus until Alexander of Macedonia. You then have this period that's called the period of the Zugot. The Zugot are pairs, and you're going to just see them if you open up your Perkeavot at home, any book of uh, Ethics of Our Fathers. The first chapter is all about these pairs of Chachamim. These two, learn from these two. These two and these two. This period is, is a period of rabbinic leadership, I'll talk about in just a moment, that overlaps the generation of the Chashmonaim up until, and the Chashmonaim are the Maccabees and the story of Chanukah and all of that, up until the time of Hurdus, King Herod. Which leads us into Shammai, Hillel, and that whole generation, but we didn't get that far. Let's set the backdrop of the period of the Zugot, the Paris. The last Chacham that we studied together was Antignos Ish Soho. Antignos, the man of Soho. And I told you then that Antignos, at least according to Rabbi Yosef Masas, Antignos was a man who decided not to pursue his ego, his arrogance. He wasn't looking for greatness. He was not that person. Antignos. But it does tell you something very interesting. And it tells you that already by the time our Chacham Antignos Ish Soho is born, He's born into a Jewish world in which people are naming their children non-Jewish names. I'm going to just qualify with it. Non-Jewish names is a very tricky, it's a very tricky term. And it's one that I actually don't believe in very much. I got in trouble here. I don't remember which class recently mentioning this. I did a Levaya a week ago. For a lady, I'm going to mention her name. She's having a Shamash Gan Eden. Evelyn Farah HaKohen, uh, her last name is Kohen, the daughter of Chaim and Saliman. And the gentleman who was the son of this lady was sharing with me how the first time he came into a synagogue in America and mentioned his mother's name. And he said her name. And they said, oh no, what's her Jewish name? He said, that's her Jewish name. No, what's her Jewish name? Does she have another name? She has another name. Farah, that's Arabic for happy. And the rabbi laughed. He laughed. That's such a funny name. I'm thinking to myself, what makes Farah a funny name, but Mushka is not a funny name? I'll ask you a better question. What makes uh, Mukhluf a non-Jewish name, but Mendel a Jewish name? Someone can tell me what is a Jewish name? A Jewish name most likely is a name that a Jewish person has. You should leave it at that. More than that, don't start digging. All the things that have been programmed into your mind that Jewish people don't have a Jewish name, so you can't pray for him. And all these stories about rabbis who they received a name to pray for, and oh, that's not his real name, there must be a real name. Let me ask you a question. Comes time now to do a chuppah. I'm going to be doing a few chuppah this month. Baruch Hashem. Comes time to do a chuppah. And there's a chatan. He comes in front of me. Let's give the chatan a name. His name is, um, I don't know, give me, a, give me a good American name. Jason. Jason, very good. His name is Jason Greenbaum, okay? We'll give him a name. I hope I don't know any Jason Greenbaums, okay? Jason Greenbaum. Now he comes to me, he wants me to write for him a ketubah, correct? So I write a ketubah, Jason is marrying a lady, let's give her a name. Uh, Pam, you seem good at this. Who's Jason? Diane. Who? Diane. Diane. Okay, Jason is marrying Diane. Very good. So now I sit down with Jason and Diane. We're writing their ketubah. 
And it comes time to write the name of the Khatan. And the Khatan tells me, oh, you know my name? My name is Shimon David Moshe Ben Chaim Yehoshua Yechesko. And that's what I want to make Ketubah. And I tell him, but that's not your name. No, it is my name. It's what I got when I was born, my Brit Milah. Yeah, but you don't use that name. The purpose of writing your name in the Ketubah is so I can identify who is in this contract. Even better, the witnesses who sign at the bottom. What do the witnesses do? I've been to too many weddings in my life. The witnesses, they have a beautiful Ketubah, it's on parchment, nice writing. Comes time at the bottom, what do the witnesses do? They chicken scratch a letter over there, something, you can't even read what they wrote over there. What good is a Ketubah if you don't know who signed the Ketubah? You know, when I do weddings, I take the witnesses... Last four digits of the social security number, aside from writing their name. I need to know who you are. What's the point of writing a contract that has no, it's a legal contract, that has no legal, uh, no, no legal names in it? So you want to make a compromise? Your name is Shimon David Moshe, whatever, I don't remember the name I already made up. Fine, all right, Shimon David Moshe, Demit Kare Jason, who's called Jason. And then I make sure to write his last name in there, Lemishbachat Greenbaum. Because if you're going to go to the Berakhetz and say, Hey, Rabbi, do you know who Shimon David Menachem is? I have no idea who the guy is. Oh, Jason? Jason's been a member of my Berakhetz for 40 years. He didn't know. Nobody knows your Hebrew name. Your name is the one that you use. Look, Chalmud Yosef writes somewhere in the laws of mourning that when you do a hashkava, a memorial prayer for somebody, if they didn't go by their Hebrew name, you don't use their Hebrew name. You should use the name that they used. Period. That's your name. Like it, you don't like it, but that's what it is. So Antignos is already a Jewish boy who's being named, and I'm going to correct myself, not a non-Jewish name, but it's a name that's a Greek name. And it's a Greek name for a Chacham. It tells you something about the amount of influence that the Greeks have in this region of Eretz Israel, of the whole Middle East really, in this period in history. And this is the generation in which Yosef ben Yoezer is being raised. So he is one of the, he's the first of the zugot, the pairs that lead the Jewish people, and the generation after the men of the Great Assembly. And essentially that coincides with when the Greeks take over the land of Israel. You should know what happens here in this period of history. And really it's beyond the scope of our shiur today to discuss the details here. But if you remember Antiochus and the, the kings of this time, they have an arrangement with the Bet Mikdash. That arrangement ends up being moved around. There's a new Kohen Gadol who's placed in, instead of, by the way, Pam, you mentioned, instead of a man who's known as Jason the priest. Uh, again, you have a Kohen Gadol who's named Jason. Jason the priest gets switched out by a man who is nothing more than the puppet of the Greek government for the very simple reason that the Greek government bought him his position, and now he owes the Greeks a tremendous amount of money. That's going to be a, a big part of why the Zugot start to take power. He was a student of Antignos, the man of Soho. He was a colleague of Yosef ben Yochanan, the man of Jerusalem. He was the leader of the Sanhedrin. One of the most turbulent generations in Jewish history. And the generation right before the uprising of the Hashmonaim, the Maccabees, who we celebrate at Hanukkah. 
By the way, from this story, if I can just briefly share with you, this Kohen Gadol, so to speak, that is placed instead of Jason the priest, he ends up using all of the artifacts of the Bet HaMikdash, the gold, the silver, the menorah, and he ends up selling them privately to get money to buy his independence back from the Greek government. The Jewish people at that point in time are so sick and tired. I mean, they're not necessarily friends of the Maccabees, let's be honest. The Maccabees then are affiliated with a group called the Hasidim. Not Hasidim like you're thinking. Um, but the Hasidim as a, a movement which Yosef ben Yoeza was a part of. They're not so much Hasidim, but they realize that the Kohanim who are supposed to be leading them are just ransacking the Bet HaMikdash. They're deserting the Bet HaMikdash. In the writings of some of the historians from that generation, the Kohanim are so busy being Greeks, they're busy running off to the stadiums, they're not even paying attention to the Bet HaMikdash anymore. The Bet HaMikdash is falling into disrepair, utter disregard. Nobody cares about it. The Kohanim are not involved anymore in the Bet HaMikdash. And the Jewish people are forced to do one thing. Look for new leadership. Kind of like what we saw at the beginning of the generation of Nanshei Knesset There were rabbis, read Kohanim, with cushy salaries and no need to work hard and no need to have a job and no need to connect with the people. They're busy doing, pursuing whatever endeavors they're uh, pursuing. And the people, meanwhile, are left without leaders. At best, the leaders they have are corrupt leaders. And so just like those people chose the men of the Great Assembly, these people are now choosing in this group of, of Hasidim, later the Maccabees, the Hashmonaim, to lead them into the Jewish future. Now, you see, hands are switching between the Bet HaMikdash, the temple being the main uh, pillar of the Jewish uh, leadership, to essentially the Sanhedrin, and those who lead the Sanhedrin becoming those pillars, those are ultimately the Zugot, the pairs that we are talking about. They're living, Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer is leading a generation in which the danger of the, of the Hellenists, the Jews who are becoming Greeks, is endangering the entire Jewish people. Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer gave up his life. He dedicated his life, ultimately gave up his life to protect the Jewish people from outside impure influences that were attempting to penetrate the Jewish people. He was a Kohen from a very prestigious family of Kohanim. And because he was so particular about the laws of purity and impurity, which I guess other Kohanim were disregarding, the Mishnah Masech Chagiga, his colleagues refer to him as the righteous one of the Kohanim. Together with his colleague Yosef ben Yochanan Ish Yerushalayim, who was the head of the Betadin just underneath him, he began spreading Torah to the whole Jewish community. They were called, um, how do I translate Eshkolot into English? Yeah, that's Eshkolit, very good. Uh, but it's a, like, um, someone help me with English. No, no, Eshkolot. There's a word it's in my head right now. One second. A bunch of grapes. Very good. But what do you call uh, a bunch? A bunch of grapes. That's exactly what it's like a bunch of grapes, meaning something beautiful. And Mishnah Sota says that when these two Chachamim died, the Eshkolot also died with them. 
בדורות מאוחרים, later on in history, אמרו עליהם, they said about them, שהיו למדין תורה כמו משה רבנו, they studied or they taught תורה like משה רבנו, ושלא היה בהם שום דופי, and that there was nothing wrong with them. ברצותם להרחיק את ישראל מדרכי הנכר, and in order, in an attempt to stop the Jewish people from this migration that were, they were leaving Israel, why would I want to be, if I want to be a Greek, why would I want to stay in Israel and be a fake Greek when I can go and be a real Greek and leave the land of Israel? So one of the things that these Chachamim did, is that he, um, they decreed all of the land outside of the land of Israel to be impure. And they decreed that glass, which at that time was being made mostly by non-Jews. So this may actually be less a purity, impurity issue and more of a financial to keep the Jewish economy alive. They decreed that glass would be considered impure as well. Look at Masechet Shabbat, page 14. They were the generation in which the first disagreement in halakha ever took place. So if you're used to thinking that today halakha is all about disagreements, uh, there was a world in which halakha was just halakha. There was no disagreement as to what the halakha was. They witnessed the first halakha, the halakhic disagreement, which tells you that they were also witnesses to the first breach, the first crack in the, the solid Stayed, the solid, uh, stable Torah that was around before them. The real debate was, Do you lean on top of the animal's head before you sacrifice on Yom Tov or not? This argument was occupying the rabbis for a few generations, really, until Hillel and Shammai saw this. And the opinion of Yosef ben Yosef was not to lean. Yosef ben Yochanan said, you have to. You should know. If you wish to understand why this is such a big deal, you can look at that up on your own time. But the big deal for us, for our intents and purposes, is that there was a dispute in halakha that rabbis could not solve. And this bothered more than one generation, two generations, three generations. That we now had something, two people were saying, that the one Torah that we received in Har Sinai, one says X and one says Y. You can imagine what that does to the spirit of the Jewish people. The main teaching of Rabbi Yosef ben Yosef, that's what we find in Perkei Your home must be a home where Chachamim gather. And you should be studying or struggling, depending how you wish to understand this word, in the dust of their feet. And you should drink their words in with thirst. So one, open your home. Allow the Chachamim in. Two, when the Chachamim are there, study with them humbly. One of the Chachamim, his name is Rabbi Chaim of Volozhin. He writes in his book, that mitabek, the word mitabek is found somewhere else. What does it really mean, mitabek? It doesn't mean to sit at the dust of their feet. Think, tell me about Yaakov Avinu and an angel. Very good. You remember that Yaakov Avinu was left alone and a man came to fight with him, this angel of Esav, came to fight with him up until the dawn. Remember this? Uh, Rabbi Chaim of Elohim says it's forbidden to accept something from your teacher that you don't agree with. And you're allowed to argue. Not it's okay to argue, you're allowed to argue with your teacher. 
But you have to do it respectfully. At the end of the day, this is still your teacher. You wish to disagree, you can disagree, but do it with respect. And you should drink in their words thirstily. Essentially, Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer is establishing two things. One, make sure that your home, if the Ben Mikdash is contaminated, if the Ben Mikdash is corrupt, make sure that your home is a place where Torah scholars can congregate. Two, have respect to Tamil Chamin. Have respect to Tamil Chamin. I'm going to say something now that I probably would never say on the camera, but it's been bothering me for quite some time. I'm making a generalization. So you'll find exceptions to this on each side of the, the aisle. I can tell you many negative things about the religious mannerisms or lack thereof of Sephardic Jews. I could do the same for Ashkenazi. But there's something that sticks out to me. as a, It's a glaringly obvious uh, observation, but it's not accurate to everybody. So I'm not talking about individuals. I was once walking in Israel with Shabbat. There's somebody who was breaking Shabbat, stopped his car, got out of the car, kissed our hands, there was a few rabbis walking together, kissed our hands, got back in his car and drove away. So I said, what makes a Jewish person stop his car on Shabbat in front of rabbis, get out of the car, kiss their hands, and then drive away? There's an education of, of respect for Tamil Chamin. Listen, we don't want you to be religious, we're not religious, but we go to the Bera Knesset on Shabbat, maybe Kippur, but when you see a Tamil Chacham, don't listen to anything they say, but respect them. Respect Tamil Chamin. Many a Sephardic child was raised, not talking today, was raised in this mentality of Talmud Echamim are people we respect. In Ashkenaz, almost the exact opposite experience. Talmud Echamim, up until today, by the way. Up until today. What a loser, what a crook, what a criminal, what an idiot, what a fool. The rabbi doesn't know anything. Kiss his hand? I'm not going to kiss his hand. I'm not even going to give him a kiss on his face. I'm going to kiss his hand. Who is this guy? Just a rabbi. What is he? This attitude has permeated, unfortunately, into the Sephardic community as well. But in a world in which there's no respect for genuine Talmud Chamin, I'm not saying rabbis, for genuine Talmud Chamin, how do you expect the Jewish people to have who to follow if you've created anarchy? If you've created a place in which there's no one to respect? And the other way is true. Sometimes you don't raise a perfect Jewish family. Who can even say such a thing? that they've raised the perfect anything. But the one chinuch you can give them is wherever you go, whatever place you are in, go find a Jewish community. Go find a Tamil Chacham, a real honest Tamil Chacham. Learn from them. Pray with them. Study with them. I don't need you to do all of the mitzvah. I'm not asking you. I don't even do that. But I'm asking you, wherever you go, connect yourself to Tamil Chachamim. And I think that in the test of time, especially these last few generations, I think you see the difference in that kind of education. There are still people who maybe one or two or three generations, their families didn't keep kasher exactly, and not Shabbat exactly. Maybe not all the halakhot they even knew about exactly. But their kids still put on tefillin every day. And their kids still go to Bet Knesset every week. But that's dependent on the chinuch, the education that you give in your home. Who are Talmidei Chachamim to you? Are they losers who couldn't go to university because they weren't smart enough to think? Or are they people who are Chachamim, 
in maybe an entirely different discipline than you're used to, but they're people that we look to for guidance because we're Jewish people. They tell a story with the Chavetz Chaim. Chavetz Chaim once had a person in his community whose son decided to marry somebody who wasn't Jewish. That was a big crisis. Not like today. Today we have, they say maybe even half of all the Jewish couples will get married, will get married out of the Jewish faith. Out of a million couples, maybe 500,000 of them will marry out of the Jewish people. Someone came to Chavetz Chaim. He said, my son, he's marrying out. Can you please talk to him? He said, what can I say? Talk to him, please. So Chavetz Chaim had a meeting with him. He spoke with him. And after the meeting, the man came out of Chavetz Chaim and said, no, how did it go? He said, nothing happened. He said, what do you mean? You couldn't. You're the Chavetz Chaim. You couldn't influence him. He said, every Shabbat when I gave my dirasha on Shabbat, and you walked home with your children, and you're telling your wife how stupid the rabbi is and how nonsensical his dirasha was, that doesn't even... And every time something happened in the community and you spoke about the rabbi, he's good for nothing. He said, said, now comes time that you need the rabbi. But you educated your child that the Chavetz Chaim is good for nothing. You educated him not to listen to me. So what do you want from me? Now it's your job. There's nothing I can do. It'll be Yosef and Yoezer is trying to ingrain in the Jewish people the importance of making your home the bedvad l'chachamim, if the bed mikdash can't do it, then you must do it. And the second thing is to make sure to have respect for Tamdechamim. Yeah, you're, maybe you're involved with Greek culture, and maybe you know so much about this new world of the Greeks, the Chachamim are not so involved, and maybe. But maybe you can also respect that these are the people we come from. These are our sages. These are those people that will guide us forward. Tomorrow I'm going to spend time analyzing the difference between Yosef and Yosef and his colleague. There were three halachot in Tuman Tahara, Rabbi Yosef ben Yosef was lenient about, and his colleagues referred to him as Yosef de Sharia, or Yosef Hamatir, Yosef the one who permits things. His attitude in halacha was a permissive attitude in halacha, and they used that as a, a sign of, uh, it was a term of endearment, not a denigration. I mean, this was a chacham who knew how to make things permissible. Unfortunately, if we're talking about perfect Jewish families, if we're talking about raising children and generations going forward, there are Chachamim who dedicated their whole life to the Jewish people. And for reasons that I don't understand, maybe you do, but I don't understand, Chachamim should save us from this, their children went the exact opposite direction from their parents. And the Biyoseb and Yoezer, had exactly that experience. He had a son who rebelled against him and didn't just not be the perfect Jewish child. He decided to involve himself with the Greek government to the point where he married the daughter of the man who used to make the the wreaths. You know those wreaths, like the crowns that the Greeks used to wear? So the wreath maker of the king, he married that man's daughter. Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer, after attempts and attempts to bring his child back, realizes there's nothing he could do. And the Talmud rules that if a person has money in their inheritance and they wish to write their children out of their inheritance, that they have every right to say, my child cannot inherit me. That's your right. It's your money. You can do whatever you want with your money. 
but en ruach chachamim nochahem eno. But the chachamim are not very proud about that. The chachamim are not proud of a person who doesn't leave anything to their children. One of the chachamim says, though, that there's an exception to that rule. If one's child is not following a good path, it's a destructive path, then a person who doesn't leave his inheritance to that child, it's understood. Now you can sit and discuss that halakha at a different time. But Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer, that was what he did. He did not leave his inheritance to his son because of the way in which his son acted. There's some tragic stories about the son of Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer. He married into Greek royalty. Greek royalty, his wife was a woman who knew not to trust the Greeks and instead to trust the people in the corrupt Ben-Migdash more than they trusted the Greeks. But that's beyond today's shiur. But this didn't just hit his own children, it hit his own family as well. Ken mesaperet ha'agada. The agada tells us in the Talmud, sheben achoto shel Yosef ben Yoezer haya yakim ish tzerot. That the son of Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer's sister, so this is his nephew, the son of his sister is his nephew. His man is yakim ish tzerot. Who was he? He was the famous Kohen Gadol, the Hellenist Kohen Gadol, known as Elkimus. Uvrishato Hagedonav, Asa Shevatim Bachasidim, Velochas Gamal Yosef Ben Yoezer Dodo, Veholi Cholet Sliva. Yakim Ishtzerot, when he became a Hellenized Jew, he set out his life to torment and torture the Jewish people who were affiliated with the movement of Hasidim, the pious Jews. And he was even responsible for carrying out the execution of his own uncle, Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer. That's how far he had sold his soul. And there's a story about Yakim taking his uncle Yosef ben Yoezer for crucifixion. Let me read to you the exact words of this milash. This is a Midrash that's based on the Pasuk. If you remember, when Yaakov was giving a blessing to his children, and he smelled his clothing, his Bigadav. Our rabbis say, don't read Bigadav, his clothing, rather Bogdav, those traitors, traitors of the Jewish people. Which traitor? Yakum Ish Tzirurot. Yakum ish tzirot haya ben achoto shel Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer ish tzereda. Yakum was the nephew of Rabbi Yosef. Vehava rachiv susya b'shabata. And he was riding his horse on Shabbat. Azal kume sharita limitztabla. He escorted Yosef ben Yoezer towards his execution. Amar lo, and he tells him, Look at the horse that my master has put me on and look at the horse that your master has put me on. Meaning, look at me in this world. Look at how, I, how I'm wealthy. I ride around the horse. I'm an honorable person. Look at you being taken away like a sheep to be slaughtered. Amar lo, says Rabbi Yosef ben Yoezer, Im kach lamachisav, kal vachomer laoser can you imagine if this is what a Kadosh Baruch Hu does? Look at you. 
If that's the honor that HaKadosh Baruch gives to those who hate him, can you imagine what honor he's going to give to me? Me, the one who, who fulfills his wisdom, his words, his rulings? Amarlo, the nephew asked his uncle, Asa Adam Tell me, is there anybody who served HaKadosh Baruch greater than you? I mean, you're the guy. Amarlo, He's exactly right. If this is what's happening, this execution is what's happening to a man like me who fulfilled the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, imagine what's going to happen to you. What's Rabbi Yosef Ben doing? He's taking his last moments on earth to try to convince his nephew to abandon his evil ways. He's not giving up even on the person who's trying to execute him. He wants him to do Teshuvah. He's being sharp with him. Let me ask you a question. Do you recall the teaching of Antignos Ishtokho from last week? What was the teaching of Antignos Ishtokho? What did he say? Don't be like servants. I'm, I, I don't know. Don't be like servants. Very good. Don't be like those servants who serve their master to receive a reward. Rather, serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu without desire for reward. And then broke away two groups of students. The Tzidukim and the Baitusim, the Sadducees. And they claimed, based on the words of our, their teacher Antignos, that if he says, don't serve Hashem to receive a reward, then what does it really mean? Is there a reward in the next world? Come on, some of you were here last week. What do these students of Antignos pervert his teaching to mean? Wait, Rachel, what were you saying? You're talking about the, the two students, the Baitis and Correct. The interpreted, like your mother said. What are they inter- I'm, I'm waiting for the interpretation. The, the, the teaching was not to, to study Torah, I mean, they're saying there is no reward in the next world. That's why the rabbi told him not to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu for a reward. And here you have a real student of Antignos. And what's the conversation he's having with his nephew right before he dies? About reward in the next world. And he is a student who actually understood what his rabbi was telling him. I don't think it's for nothing that this is the last conversation he had in this world. And if we were studying this piece of Talmud here in the eyes of Agarata, we would run with it. It entered into his heart like venom. He went, abandoned his uncle, ran away into the wilderness and fulfilled in him the four types of execution that the Bedin would do. Sekila, stoning. Serefa, burning. Hereg, killing. Vechenek, and choking. Masa, what did he do? Do I have children listening? I'll skip it. Okay, you're welcome to look this up on your own. But he ended up uh, taking his life in a very gruesome, in a very gruesome way. At the end, when Yosef ben Yerzel saw, Nitanamnem Yosef ben Yerzel ish terada, Yosef ben Yerzel started drifting off, sleeping. Vera mitato, 
פרחה באוויר, and he saw the coffin, the body, the spirit of his nephew floating in the air. אמר, he said, בשעה קנה קדמני זה דגן עדן. In just a split second, my nephew reached Gan Eden before me. This leads to a greater conversation of taking one's life and the permissibility in halakha of committing suicide. I, I, I don't want to get into there today. But I think this teaching of our rabbis, begadav, mixing the word clothing with bogdav, with traitors. What is a traitor? A traitor is somebody who appears one way, but really is something else inside. The traitor that we experience every day, those who pretend to be our friends, our loved ones, but they're busy stabbing us in the back. It could be on a personal level, it could be on a, on a family level, on a national level. But they're always clothed in, in sheep's clothing, as they say. We have to be careful that there are such people around. Yosef ben Yoezer is leading the Jewish people through a generation where the bogdim, where the traitors are increasing every single day. And they've even penetrated his family, his nephew, his son, his close friends. And Yosef ben Yoezer is preparing the Jewish people. One method of perseverance in exile is this. Live in your home, live in your own world, create a bubble for yourself, which is a home that is full of Torah wisdom. The world outside can do what it wants, but we have our own place. And whereas that attitude is important, tomorrow night we're going to introduce the exact opposite attitude of his colleague, Rabbi Yochanan of Yerushalayim. One day at a time. For right now it's important to realize that this generation of Chachamim are escorting the Jewish people into a whole new world. And when the Rambam lists people like this as those who are continuing the chain of our oral Torah, I think it's important to stop thinking of our Chachamim just as rabbis. See, in a world where there were tzidukim and there were pirushim and there were all kinds of different groups, if you have the, the tzidukim who are busy trying to relive this Judaism that was before Ezra the Sofer and before the reform of the rabbis in in some way, of course. And if you have groups like uh, the Qumran sect who disappear out into the mountains to go live a life of ascetism away from people because they can't deal with that anymore. You have the pirushim, our rabbis who are trying to balance, trying to straddle an almost impossible thing. They're trying to stay loyal to the creator of the universe and the teachings of our Torah, while also not abandoning the Jewish people and the changes, the shifts, the social movements, whatever issues are taking place in the Jewish people, they're trying to bridge both of those worlds. Our Chachamim are heroes. They're heroes in the sense that they gave us a Torah that was ever adapting, it was ever growing, it was innovative, it was dynamic. It never was so static that it broke. And this is what makes these leaders, those people who are links in the oral transmission. I know I spent extra time on Rabbi Yosef ben today. But I think it's important to understand just how much he and his colleagues and his students contributed to where we are today. In the merit of our leaders who didn't break, they were dynamic, they were not afraid to grab the bull by the horns and run with the Jewish people forward. Those were the Chachamim that allowed us to be where we are today. And I see a Jewish community around us that is facing, maybe it's not the Greeks and maybe it's not the Hellenists, but it's facing all of the same issues. And there are those Jews who don't know how to be dynamic, Jews that don't know how to deal with issues head on, and they run and they hide. And we have to be from those people that, who knows, who knows what will be.
Who knows? We pray that our children will all come out and our grandchildren, that the Torah should not be forgotten. From our children, our children shown to the end of time. But we exist, you and I and all of us exist to make sure that there is a dynamic Judaism that can get the Jewish people to the next point in time. We don't have to bring in the Mashiach. But we've been entrusted with this Olympic baton. Ironic, I know I'm talking about the Greeks. We've been entrusted with this Olympic baton and our job is not to make it to the end. Our job is just to make it to the next person who's going to take this torch and take the Jewish people forward. That's our job. Our job is, I can't tell you where your grandkids are going to be. You might not... But your job is to make sure that what you give to the next generation is that baton, the same one that was passed to you before. Maybe it's a new package, maybe you fix the handle, maybe whatever it is, it's the same fire and it's the same Torah, then you pass it on to the next generation. So that we can continue the Jewish people until until the Redeemer comes to Zion, and we should merit to see that day come very, very soon.